Welcome, everybody, to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. I hope you did have a good Thanksgiving. I know I did. Like I was telling you last week, I don't eat until I'm full. That's just unwise. I eat until I hate myself. So mission accomplished, not a problem. Walked away from the table sick, really questioning all of my life's decisions. And then, of course, you eat more later that night because what, what is what you're supposed to do? I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you were able to use some of the tools that we've learned over the last couple of weeks in dealing with whoever may have been around your Thanksgiving table. But we are in full holiday mode now. Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror. Christmas is right around the corner. We are going to be surrounded by friends and coworkers and neighbors and office parties and family. And like we've been saying, depending upon those relationships and how those are sort of going in your life, this could be a challenging time of year. And so as we wrap up this series, we are going to continue to try to find out how we can not only survive the holidays, but thrive and maybe find out if it's possible to even minister to the people who push our buttons the most. In week one, if you are not here, we kind of talked about the critical people in our lives. These are those gems who always want to point out what we did wrong and how they would do it better and, and differently. Last week, we talked about the controlling people in our lives. These are the folks who try to get us to do whatever they want us to do, right? They've got some idea as to how we should use our time, what we should be doing in our careers, with our family, with our finances. And they're going to do whatever they can to try to manipulate us and control us. And so if you are interested in catching up on either of these two messages, head over to our website, soflowchurch.com, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can go to our Facebook page that houses the archives of all of our live videos. But today, as we kind of wrap up this series, we're going to be having a really interesting conversation, actually. I'm excited for today's message. We're going to be trying to figure out how we can deal with and handle and navigate and love on and help the needy people in our lives. Now, when I say needy people, I really mean sort of the, the, like the, like the overly needy people in our lives. These are folks that we really do care about these people. We really do love these people, but they always just seem to need a little bit more than we can give, all right? It's, it, I mean, you know, it's, there's always some drama in their life. It's always some problem. There's always some, it's like always a relationship issue. It's always a money problem. It's just, it's always something. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, like they're the kind of people that when you see them coming your way, you're actually afraid to ask them how they're doing because they're going to tell you. Uh, now, we know as sort of, as, you know, let's call it, you know, normal functioning adults, which we all fall into that category. Obviously, there's no needy people here, so we can just talk about them. But, you know, when you see them, like when people say to us, hey, how you doing? We know that there's a couple of generally accepted responses as to what we should say when someone asks that question. Like, for example, how you doing? Good. Hey, good. All right, good. I'm doing good. All right, or grammatically correct. I'm doing well. Right? How you doing? Ah, good. Doing good. Or we'd also accept, can't complain. How you doing? Can't complain. You know. And if you're over the age of 55, you can kind of tack on. And if I did, who'd listen? Right? We'll take that as well. Or my personal favorite, my go-to. How you doing? Ah, same old. Right? Nothing new. Same old. Nothing to report. But not the needy people in our lives. 
They're going to tell you exactly what's going on in their life. Now, here's the thing. You already know what's going on in their life. They've been telling you the same story for the last three years. Nothing's changed. If they're doing nothing to help the condition they're in. We all know these people. And look, we all love these people. They, they could be some of our closest friends. They, they could be a brother or sister. They may be an adult child. They could even be a mom or a dad. And here's the thing. We want to help them. But it just seems like whatever we do to help them is never enough. So today, I want to take a look at Scripture to find out what we can actually do to help the overly needy people in our lives. So the first thing we want to do in trying to help these sort of overly needy people in our lives is we want to learn how to give strategically, which is a departure from what we normally do. Normally what we do is we give emotionally, all right? It, it, giving emotionally is sort of when you kind of see something going on in somebody's life, and because we don't, we, like, we really care, we just react. We just do what's easy, and generally speaking, we do what makes us feel good. Whatever sort of assuages our guilt, if you will, makes our, kinda, our guilt go away. We react, we do what's easy, we do what's convenient, and it makes us feel better. Giving strategically is a way different approach. So instead of focusing on what people want, and trust me, that person's always going to tell you what they want, instead of focusing on what they want, we want to begin to ask ourselves, okay, what do they really need? What does this person in my life really need? What will genuinely help this person? Not just in the moment, not just right now, I'm talking what will long-term help this person in their life? There's a great moment in scripture where Peter and John do just this. One day, these two guys are walking up into the temple. And on their way in, scripture tells us that there is a lame man. This guy who can't walk, perhaps he's been like that his whole life. We don't really know. But according to scripture, this guy's buddies carry him to the temple every single day, plop him down on the steps every single morning, and he spends the entire day there at the temple begging for money. And every single day, people give him money because that's what he wants. Take a look. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 real quick. It says this. Now, when he, speaking of the lame man, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, okay? This is his standard operating procedure, right? He posts up outside the temple, and that's no coincidence. He posts up outside some religious institution, and he asks for money, so what do Peter and John do in this moment? It says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us, look at us. And the lame man looked at them expecting some money. See, this man knows what many needy people know, which is this. If you keep asking long enough, eventually someone will give emotionally and give it you exactly what you want. may not be what you need, but they'll give you exactly what you want. This guy, what he's looking for is he wants to be supported in the condition that he is in. That's what he wants. He wants to be supported in the condition he is in. But God is not interested in supporting us in the condition we are in. God wants to completely change our condition. So watch what Peter and John do. They don't give emotionally. Right? They, they don't do what's easy and quick, like handing him some change. Instead, they are led by the Spirit. 
to give this man what he really needs. Peter says this, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Instead of giving this man a handout, wait for this, because this is going to change your life. Instead of giving this man a handout, they gave him a hand up. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. When I ran, like when I ran this with Christina this week and I gave her that line, she literally had to get up from the computer and walk away. She, I can't even look at you anymore. I can't even know. All right, I could work at a Southern Baptist church with that one. But it's the truth, okay? It would have been easy for, the, for Peter and John to just hand this guy some money. It would have been quick. But they would have been supporting him in the condition he was in. But what takes more time, what takes more faith, what takes more effort, what takes more prayer, what takes more sacrifice is not to give someone what they want, rather it's to give someone what they truly need. Now here's where last week's message comes into play. And if you were at last week's message, you're going to remember this. See, what happens sometimes is when you give a needy person what is wise rather than what they want, they may say something to you like, well, if you really loved me, you'd give me fill in the blank. You know, if you're really a Christian, how you call yourself a Christian, if you were really a Christian, you'd give me your time. I mean, if you're really a follower of Jesus, you would give me the attention that I'm asking for. You know, if you really love me, you would give me money because that's what I want. But what we need to have the wisdom to say is, God, you know, because I love you, I'm not going to give you what you want because the Holy Spirit is leading me to give you what you really need. Now, they may hear this and lock on to this and they go, well, it's funny you should say that. See, because what I really need, I need $300 for rent. But you're hip to the scene. I mean, you follow them on Instagram and you know that they just bought an Apple Watch. You know that they just went on vacation. You know that they eat out three times a week. No, you don't need $300. You need a budget. You need a biblical understanding of what it means to be a good steward of what God has already given you. You need to learn how to live below your means. I don't have $300 to give you, but I will help you create a budget and I'll help you live according to that budget. See, the first thing that we have to do in, in trying to help those who are overly needy in our lives is we want to give strategically, not giving emotionally. Second thing we want to do in trying to help those folks in our lives who are needy is we want to serve wisely. And this one is really, really important. When you look at Jesus and you look at his life and, and you see the way that Jesus cared for people, you see a couple things. You see that he served selflessly. Okay? He loved authentically, he gave generously, he taught faithfully, he listened compassionately, and then he would go off by himself, he would reconnect with God, and he would recharge spiritually so that he could go back out and do it all again. You see it all throughout the Gospels. He would give, he would recharge. He would serve, he would recharge. He would love, he would recharge. All throughout the Gospels, you see it. In the feeding of the 5,000, one of his more famous miracles, 
what did he do? He fed the 5,000 plus crowd. And immediately afterwards, after sending the disciples out on that boat, Jesus went by himself up into the hillside to get alone with God and to recharge spiritually. In Luke 4, you sort of see this marathon serving session that Jesus is in. Okay, he, he starts off by casting out a demon. Immediately afterwards, he heals Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. Immediately afterwards, he begins healing more people. Immediately afterwards, he casts out more demons. And then right after that, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. See, Jesus might be fully God, but he's also fully human. He has just been on this marathon serving session, and it has drained him emotionally, physically, even spiritually. And Jesus understands the importance of taking time for himself to reconnect to the source of it all, God, our Heavenly Father. It's kind of like you moms out there. You know, when you kind of escape into the bathroom to kind of get away from the kids and just recharge a little bit, regroup and throw some water on your face, you take some deep breaths, you do some meditation into this, you know, into the mirror and you need to recharge, you need a break. And then what happens after about 90 seconds of being in that bathroom? Those little fingers come under the door, right? Mom, we need you out here. Breaks over. Same with Jesus. He's out there. He goes to a solitary place to get away from it all, to reconnect with God. And the people, it says, were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They wanted more help. Thankfully, Jesus had reconnected with God. He is refilled spiritually. His cup is full again, and he's ready to give them exactly what they need. Here's our takeaway. If Jesus needs to recharge his battery, so do you. I mean, I am convinced the reason that we get so drained emotionally and physically, you know, spiritually and trying to help the overly needy folks in our lives, we're trying to do it all in our own strength. I, I really feel that way. And we were never meant to do that. Even Jesus, God, understood that you had to reconnect to the source. And if you're not doing that, I mean, if you are actively trying to help other people in your life, in your own strength, let me tell you something. You're only handing those folks dry crumbs. You got to tap into a greater power source than just yourself. So if you are exhausted today from giving and giving and giving, what would it look like for you to take some time for yourself to get away, and to reconnect with God. Third thing we want to do in helping those needy folks in our lives is that we want to learn how to trust completely. Meaning, we've sought God's wisdom. We've asked him, you know, how can we really serve this person's needs and not just their wants? We have listened to what God has told us. We have done what he's asked us to do. Now, now we have to trust him completely with the results. Whatever the consequences are of this, we need to trust God completely. Now, this is the hardest step of all because this is where tough love comes into play. See, in our effort to love and help other people, 
sometimes what we try to do for these overly needy folks in our lives is we try to fix every problem they have. Every situation they land themselves in, we, we try to fix it. We try to be the solution to everything that they need. And what happens is that sometimes we may unknowingly be short-circuiting God's process. In Scripture, we learn about this, this thing called the law of the harvest. You've, you've actually heard about this before. When you've heard you reap what you sow. That's the law of the harvest. Paul talks about this in Galatians. He says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The law of the harvest is a God-ordained process by which our actions have real consequences in this world. These are not punishments from God. These are just consequences of the things that we do. And what becomes clear in life and through Scripture is that God can use our consequences. God can speak to us through those consequences. God can teach us through our consequences. And here's the problem. God may be trying to use those consequences in your friend's life, those negative consequences, to change them for the better, to do something in their life, to teach them something. But what do we do? We, as well-meaning as we might be, short-circuit God's process by rescuing them. Paul says this, speaking more about the consequences. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. There are consequences, like I was saying, to our actions, both good and bad. And we need to love people enough to trust God with those consequences. In the last series, Adam did a phenomenal job talking about what I would argue is Jesus' greatest parable, uh, the prodigal son. And if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a fictional story that Jesus would create to tell a real truth. And in this parable that Jesus told, if you remember, there is a father who has two sons. And the one son goes to the father and basically says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. But since you're not dead, let's just pretend that you're dead and give me my inheritance now. What's incredible is that the dad gives it to him. And this son takes his inheritance. Scripture says he goes off into a foreign land and the brother effectively lets us know later on that he blew it all on booze and women. Every single day that he was out there, he broke every value that his family stood for. And every single day, his father prayed for his son. Every single day, his father, I believe, would walk out of that porch, would look out into the horizon to see if that son would be making his way back home. And all the while, that son got deeper and deeper into trouble. Until one day, Jesus tells us, that son found himself in a pig pen covered in slop, eating pig food. And all the time, do you know what that father never did? He never rescued the son. He loved his son enough to let him end up in that pigsty. Scripture says that when that son finally hit rock bottom, he came to his senses. 
See, the father loved that son enough to let the God-given consequences, the law of the harvest, you reap what you sow. He allowed those consequences to actually play out in his son's life for his son's own good. And it changed that kid's life forever. See, when it comes to the needy people in our lives, we've got to realize rescuing is not always helping. And parents, I'm talking to you. Moms, dads, I'm talking to you. Listen, if that needy person in our life is always late to work, right? They're always late to work. And, and, and they rely on you to be the alarm clock. You got to make sure they're up. You got to make sure they're dressed. You got to make sure they're fed. You got to make sure they're out the door because if they're not out the door, they're going to lose that job. They may need to lose that job. That might be the only way that they learn some responsibility for themselves in this life. If someone in your family, if one of your friends is partying all the time, they're not studying, and they're at risk of losing that scholarship, they might need to lose that scholarship. That might be the only thing that's going to get their life on track. Sometimes the loving thing to do is to allow someone to face the consequences, and this sounds cruel. I get it. This sounds scary because you love them and you just don't know what is going to happen if these consequences happen. But we have to trust God completely because God, according to Scripture, can work mightily through those consequences. And we know that he is always faithful. And I know you want to save them. But what if by saving them, all we're letting them do is to continue to live in the condition they're in? And all the while, God wants to completely change their condition. Folks, let's make sure we don't get in the way of God. Lastly, most importantly, we got to remember that we're in need to. Whenever we help other people in our lives, we always have to do it from a place of humility, with a posture of humility, never arrogance. Because the truth is every single one of us is in need. Now, we may not be going through what that person is going through in this moment, but how many of us could resonate with this prayer from King David when he said this? But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. When you realize that you are in need to, all of a sudden you remember that you are not their savior. Jesus is. When you remember that you are in need to, we realize that we are not the solution to people's problems. God is. When we see a needy person in our life, our job is simple. We are to give them the comfort that God has already given us. Paul puts it like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who? Comforts us in our troubles so that. I love it. There's a reason he's comforting us. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
The reason that we can humbly help other people is because God helped us first. This helps us realize that we are all equally broken, that we are all equally needy. And every once in a while, every once in a while, God taps us on the shoulder and blesses us with the opportunity to love and support someone else. This is how we make Jesus known to the world. The world will not know that we are Christians by the things that we believe. Scripture says people will know that we are followers of Christ based on how we love. And how do we love those who are in need? We give strategically, we serve wisely, and we trust God completely. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we wanna make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So I'm gonna just ask it like this. What's their name? Who is it? Who is that person that you have been thinking about this entire message? Is it an adult child in your life? Is it a brother or sister? Maybe a parent, a friend? I mean, who is it that person in your life that you just feel like they always need more than you can give? It's just always something. And you are just so very, very tired. If you're a Christian in this room, and I know many of you are, I'll just tell you this. We have a responsibility to love these people. We do. So I'm gonna give you a challenge. I think you may need to hit the reset in your life. I think you may need to get away, from, get away with God, hit the reset. I think you gotta ask him to recharge your battery. I think you got to ask him to, to fuel you up with the Holy Spirit, to fill your cup back up so that you can give that person in your life exactly what they need. And you can give that person the care that you really do want to give them. Additionally, as you are reconnecting with God, you may need to rethink your approach. You may have to ask God, God, have I been giving them what they want and not what they need? I mean, have I been giving emotionally and not strategically? Lord, is there a better way? Have I rescued them when I should have let them fail? Lord, I love this person. I, I want to be there for this person. Help me help them. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, coming out of Thanksgiving, Lord, there is just so much that we are all thankful for. And Lord, we are thankful that we have been comforted by you in our past. And Lord, that we get the opportunity to comfort other people. 
And Lord, you have placed people on our path, friends, family, co-workers, some of whom can just drain us emotionally, Lord. They can drain us spiritually. They can drain us physically, Lord, because they are just so needy. But we love them. God, I pray that this holiday season, you would help us to recharge. You would help us to look to you, Lord, and reconnect. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the tools to help the people that you have put in our lives, not just to support them in the condition they are in, but to allow you to work through us to help them change their condition forever. And all the while, Lord, I pray that you keep us humble, knowing that we too are in need of our Savior. We place all these requests in Jesus' name.